0: week we continue our journey through the life and times of Ron Taranac. I hope you'll stay with us on Inside Motorsport. Well, Ron Tannernak has some fascinating stories. We
1: continue this week, and I promise you we find out how Rolt ended up dominating world motorsport. Somehow Trojan got in touch with me, and so I went and uh, worked for Trojan, and uh, it was just a part-time consultant thing, and uh, I think the first job was they, they had a deal with uh, McLaren, and they had build the production cars from McLaren, so they had a Formula 5000 and they wanted to do their own so I uh, I then did the redesign on the previous 5000 and did that and uh, that got running but I think it was about the end of the series I don't know that they sold many of those and then they wanted to do a new car and uh, I was going to do a a new 5000 and I said look, for the same cost we can do a Formula 1 car, why don't we do that so they said, OK, so uh, I designed a, an F1 car because it was a production engine and gearbox you'd buy and uh, a Cosworth engine, engine and a Heel and gearbox. And uh, I got going and I thought I needed a, a help with draftsman, so I met Patrick Head at a practice meeting somewhere and, uh, and got talking to him and I thought he knew his stuff, so I employed him. So the two of us then did the F1 Trojan. There was, it was only had I think fifty thousand pounds, and we had to buy engines and pay the wages and do everything. So it was a pretty tight ship. So we did that, but it never really came to very much. And at the end of that, I was at home, and uh, well, I was still consultant to them. And uh, someone pulled up in my uh, my house I had at a drive around in the front. Garden, filled with a car and it was a trailer on the back, car on that, pulled up and knocked on the door, and it happened to be Larry Perkins. I don't know whether I knew him before or not, but he obviously knew of me. And he, he asked me to have a look at the car and see what he could do to improve it. I think it was a GRD. So I wandered around it and had a look at it, and he said, uh, What can we do to improve it? And I said, She's, I think it'd be easier to start again. He said, Okay, let's do it. So uh, uh, I thought I oh, will, and I think my wife was glad to get me out of the house because I'd never been home. I used to work seven, seven days a week and five nights and go off to race meetings all weekend. And uh, so she was keen for me to start again, so she found her. I think initially I started drawing the car in a spare room in the house, and uh, then she found an ad in the paper for a little factory at Woking and so I went down there and bought that and it was only about 2,000 square feet and uh, so I started building and I think uh, initially Larry and I think his brother wanted a car so that was two and then the people that used to be my agents for Brabham got to hear I was building cars again and so the two agents one from Italy and uh, uh, I think it was Alf S- Al Svensson someone anyway up on the got onto me and they ordered each ordered two cars so that made six and it was only going to be a hobby yeah. but anyway so we started and we built those and of course Larry went off and I think he won the uh, European Championship Formula 3 the first year and uh, so then the orders started coming in and it just got bigger and bigger and then. Uh,
0: Were you the first Formula car builder in working, because that's now the, the central hub of it all? I don't know whether it
1: is now Uh, McLaren are there now, they weren't there then, I think it was fairly close to uh, the race circuit there, West Byfleet, there were some uh, sort of activities around there but they weren't, Keeper of course weren't far away at Surbiton and so there was people there that Keeper had subcontracted to and uh, there were people that had been doing things for the Air Force during the war, Uh, a lot of panel beating and wheeling making body shells so that opened that up but of course building the first car I didn't know where to buy nuts and bolts or anything kind of it was a nightmare because Jack didn't want anyone to know what it was all about the only I had to do all through the back door everywhere that opened up anyway when we we moved down to West Byfleet. Now you've got six
0: orders but you can't just call it the race car. We,
1: we re-established the name of Ralt because I had Ralt here before I went to England it was a combination of uh, my brother was Austin Lewis Turanac and I was Ron Turanac, so we had to put the A in as well rather than just one of his initials. So otherwise, In fact, the Australians, when they wrote to us in England, they used to call it the Rat Factory. <laughs> That's where the name came, just resurrected the old name.
0: Yeah, at one stage there, you're winning national championships all across the continent, all across Australia with your cars. What was the, the business? What size did that business get to? Because you said early in the piece you didn't have the business now.
1: No, well, I, I didn't uh, com- commercially, but I knew what to do to build racing cars and what happened after those first half dozen in the year then the orders started coming in, so I employed a few more people uh, got up to about half a dozen people in that little building and I bought I bought a, the odd lathe and a little bit of machinery, and uh, then Bernie moved. Or after about, I suppose, '74, I started, and the, the thing grew. And in about, must have about '78, Bernie moved out of Jack Brabham's factory, and so I bought the factory off Jack uh, on, a, on a deal where I think I got a, a reasonable price because I had to allow room in the workshop for David Brabham to run his car from. That was part of the deal for the year. So I bought that factory for that and so we moved in there and then uh, so i was able to expand and the orders just kept coming in and i think i had a a different outlook to other people because most other designers like colin chap and that they run their business and they had a a separate house in the city where he had his girlfriend and uh, he employed designers and just said well we want to do this and they did the car whereas i did my own and uh i think some of his designers built themselves into a corner and they had a deadline so ended up with a fair bit of complication in the car uh, because we didn't have computers to lay out all the plumbing and everything and uh, so my cars were always fairly simple and i used to think well any new formula will be in for about five years and i used to think of the ultimate car i could build in five years time and i'd back off to build one that I thought was just good enough to beat the opposition. And then I could, every year, I just did a bit of development on that car towards the five-year period. And so the previous car, people could buy updates but the people with money and sponsorship would win, win it and they'd buy another one and they'd get a good price for the old one. And so that really made my things a lot better buying than these other cars that only lasted a year and then they're out of, out of fashion. Uh, I mean, in America in particular, for a former Atlantic, those cars lasted 10 or 15 years and they could still win a race. It was only if something special, different come in, like ground effects, and then you had to start again. And what would happen with my cars, uh, I'd lay out all the basic design and get the sort of frame subcontracted and get it all going. So it was left just to do the plumbing uh, and the wiring. And I'd go away for two weeks skiing holiday every Christmas because <clears throat> I only missed about four days of work. The rest was a holiday. And in that four days, the people were left, the mechanics, to plumb and wire the prototype. And I'd come back and have a look at it and uh, have a stopwatch in my pocket and get someone to do an engine change and time it. And... Uh, Then ask them if they had any ideas to improve it, and look at the plumbing. And uh, there was brackets everywhere to hold everything. And I'd suggest, or get someone to suggest, that now you could make one bracket do all these things and simplify the whole thing. So then we'd start and do the next car with it all simplified. Now I think the people that uh, worked for me thought because i had everyone's ideas and i picked the best and then you had to get on with it they thought i was being a dictator and they 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 said you had to do it my way but i was just picking the best of what was there and if someone asked me how and why they were doing it i would tell them but i'd tell them once i wasn't go over and over the thing and i never ever sort of and because the other big difference between me and uh, the other big names is that people like Lotus in particular they paid journalists uh, on the side to look after them so if a car won a race and it was a Lotus, the Lotus won the race with so and so driving it. If a Brabham or then a Rult won the race, the driver won the race, and somewhere down in the article, you find he was driving a rot if you're lucky. So it was a completely different cut kind of fish because I never paid anyone in the pocket. I didn't know how to. I wasn't in that sort of. Uh, I never never knew about those things, I don't think. I didn't want to know.
0: My thanks to Ron Taranak. We conclude this interview next week. I hope you'll stay with us. I hope you'll join us then. Keep smiling and bye for now.